All right. Robot roll call. One true Ben. Mike present. Let's go. episode of Geek Fanthology. I am your host, Neil Cordray, and I am joined this week by the people that I that already said hello, but let's do it again. You. The one true Ben. And. Mike. And uh, today we are going to be taking a brief look into the not-too-distant future, um, depending on uh, which uh, which sort of era you grew up with, either uh, somewhere in time and space, way down in Deep 13, or my personal favorite, Next Sunday AD. Um, yes, that's right. We're going to be talking about the one, the only Mystery Science Theater 3000, um, and also sort of how it's been incredibly influential in um, sort of the creation of the current, like... Pop culture? Current pop culture, especially on the internet. Um, Comedic zeitgeist. Yes, there, there is words. And the funny thing is, you say the one and the only, but there have actually been four iterations. Yeah, but it's all the same history. thing, though. Well, it's it diff it changes each time, and that's uh, the beauty sort of the k so it, Well, it, it changes, but it remains the same. Um, it remains true, true, true yeah. to its, its roots. And honestly, if you really want to get nitpicky, six. Um... But <laughs> I mean, in my opinion, that's like saying Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Nintendo sixty four. It's all still just Nintendo. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just I'm gonna one up him. Uh, in that case, two up. <laughs> uh, but of course, of course, before that, do we have anything we want to sig signal boost? Anything interesting we ran across? Um, I too saw the uh, the the trailer for that Arnold Schwarzenegger Jackie oh, Chan yeah. movie. Yeah. That looks really damn cool. Yeah, I remember. Um, <laughs> let's see. Because Arnold Schwarzenegger's like a Prussian pirate. Right? That kind of stuff. It's like it's like crypto pop culture zoology. It's like that's so fucking weird that I must consume it. <laughs> kind of like uh, with with your recent Nicolas Cage movie. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, which was, by the way, fantastic. Right. It was a good Nicolas Cage movie, and it was a really good adaptation of The Color Out of Space, too. So, um, been watching a fun little thing on Netflix called Handsome Siblings. It's uh, subtitled, um, very Japanese. Um, Is it about attractive people that are siblings? It's about two brothers. Separated <laughs> just, this, is, this is very much a uh, snakes on a plane, John dies at the end situation, so I just thought that was Right, yeah. And except very... with spoilers, John didn't die at the end. At least not of the movie. Mm. He, died, he died at the end of a lot of the short stories, but not of the, the movie, which was frustrating. That is weird. Yeah, but then, you know, Penn and Teller get killed. False advertising. <laughs> I don't know, they, you know, they died at the end. <laughs> but... That's my yeah. That's my signal boost. Um, you know, fun Netflix show. Uh, by the time this episode goes live, uh, Castlevania season three will have been out. Oh. I don't know that we'll want to do an episode on that, but I definitely gonna freaking watch it. Uh, <laughs> well, Castlevania is always worth a good episode. I, I feel the same way because uh, season one and two were very. It's a, it's a show that lends itself um, to shall we say, 
uh, analysis. So geeking out or critiques or whatever. Not even just no more than geeking out. I'm talking about more like if you're in a classroom or a lecture hall or something, and you're like analyzing an influential book or movie or something. Like it's surprisingly deep for being like an animated series based on a video game. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I feel it's worth an episode. Well yeah. then. Uh... We'll have to watch it and make sure that, it, that the writing didn't massively decline from season two to three, but... Uh, I highly doubt it. We'll, we'll put that, we'll put that in, in, the, in the old docket. Yes. Uh, I have a couple of things here um, for the signal boost. Um, first of all, um, I didn't realize this, but Final Fantasy XIV has a free trial version, and it is a... It's, it's unique in that it's not like, hey, try the game for seven days or 14 days or whatever. It's like, hey, play the game as much as you want up to this level with, like, a handful of restrictions. Um, so anyone that's, you know, a Final Fantasy fan or anyone that just wants to try a, a different unique MMO, definitely try that out. You can basically just uh, create a Square Enix or Squeenix, as we like to say, um, mm -hmm. ID, and then uh, download the client and you're just off to the races. That's all you got to do. Uh, there's no, no buy-in or anything. You can try it out, and then if you do decide to uh, subscribe, get the game, then you just have a simple process of like upgrading your account to a, a regular account, mm -hmm. and I presumably 30 days for you, just like if you bought a game in a box in the olden days. Um, and then the other thing is um, I just started watching Harley Quinn, the animated series that was on the uh, whatever that DC... DC Universe. Sir, DC Universe, Universe service or whatever, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and holy crap, it is good. Uh, I was surprised at just how entertaining it is. Uh, and also, it's just super weird to watch a DC animated thing where they're dropping fucks all over the place and there's all this bloody violence and stuff. Like, it's a very adult show, but it's not its not adult in the immature sense, right? Yeah. Like, it's well-written and everything that just happens to have F-bombs and, uh, uh, like, explicit violence and stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really funny and interesting, and I'm about... Uh, let's see, five episodes in now. I think there have been 13 episodes so far, and yeah, it's pretty great. That's about all I got. Okay. Yeah, I don't have, I didn't have much other than Castlevania Season 3 will be out by the time uh, this episode comes out. Um, also, I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance. Next week's episode will probably be a little late, like all the episodes have been so far this year. Um, next time's episode, I should say, because uh, there's going to be a new uh there's gonna be a new challenge league coming out for path of exile in two weeks and i'm probably gonna be distracted um <laughs> i have no self-discipline <laughs> well no it's not that i have no self-discipline it's that I, I want to do something else all right <laughs> potato potato um <laughs> gonna keep saying this for a little bit please uh please find our youtube channel with uh and subscribe the reason I say find our YouTube channel is because until you have 100 subscribers, you can't get youtube.com slash whatever your actual channel name is. Yeah. We are Working Theory Productions. You can find us. Please do. Because if you can get us to 100 subscribers, then it'll be easy to find, and it'll help us to, to build the brand a little bit, even if you don't watch us on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Bring that bell. Yeah. Yeah. Comment, like, you, you know dislike, who cares? Um, <laughs> Do something, engage in yes. some way. Do something, engage. Yes. <laughs> audience engagement, uh, audience engagement counts. Like, I recently also, like, invited everyone on my friends list who didn't like the Facebook page to, like, our Facebook page on, fa on Facebook. Um, if you're listening, please like us on Facebook. I know. It, it's irritating, but, like... 
The reason everyone asks for it is because asking for it works and helps. Yep. Um, so. That's about all, all there is there, though. Um, so, the spoiler of the week. I had a, we had a few options um, that sprung uh, to my mind. Um, as sort of like one of the bigger uh, misties in this group. Um, we could go with the many, the many various and sundry names of, uh, of, uh... MST? No, I was going to say, Buck Ryder? Jack Ryder, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, we put our faith in Blast Hard Cheese. Um, oh, yeah, Big Mick Large Huge. Yes. Um, I personally am inclined instead to go with They Tried to Kill Me with a Forklift. Um, which is uh, which is a reoccurring gag from the Fugitive Alien. Uh, there were two movies called uh, Fugitive Alien One and Two, um, and that was a reoccurring gag with he tried to kill me with a forklift. Like I gotta say, all if, over if the there was place. an obvious title for something that's gonna be a B movie, it's Fugitive Alien. Mm-hmm. Right. That just that's just B movie written all over it. Or you could go with what uh, MST likes to use for a lot of its thing, which is watch out for snakes. Mm. And I can't even remember what that's from. I think it's like Red Zone Cuba or something, but... Um, so, Mystery Science Theater 3000 um, was a uh, fun little public access show in... Uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. In Minneapolis on KTMA, yeah. um, which was what I was referring to as... That, that was actually like the first era. Right, that was the first yeah. era before... Um, before it went on to uh, uh, Comedy Central, com- well, it was the Comedy Channel. Yeah. At the time. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and then there was season one um, with Joel, and then there was season two where Servo got his new voice, which was three. Then there was Mike uh, with the Mads. Then there was Mike uh, with uh, Mike in the future with uh, with. Uh, with Amy Jo Pell, and then there was the the new stuff, sex. So what I'm thinking of in generations <laughs> was public public access, uh-huh. uh, the Comedy Channel, mm-hmm. Sci-Fi, mm-hmm. and Netflix. then uh, and then Netflix. That that that's another that's another fair way to to break it down, which is pretty yeah. much the same way I broke it down. Just I broke down an extra little bit. Now so when, when, to walk me. when they did the uh, when they did the Kickstarter and. Uh, relaunched, revived, or whatever mm-hmm. was that? I'm a little unclear. That's what should Day and Patton Oswalt as the Mads. Well, with Jonah Hill as the new uh, as the new guinea pig. So the okay. Well, here's here's what's confusing to me. It, mm-hmm. It's a Netflix thing, mm-hmm. but it was a Kickstarter thing. So what the fuck actually happened? Okay, so here's what the fuck actually happened. They kickstarted the creation, the the, the revival of the show. Yeah. Uh, with full intention to simply produce episodes and make them available online. Right. Netflix then said to them, Hi, we have a big audience. Right. We would like to put your show on our platform. We give you value, you give us value kind of a thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, so this is a Legend of Vox Machina situation. Mm -hmm. Hugely successful Kickstarter, and then Amazon picked it up to go on Amazon Prime, so it's something, analogous something like, to an extent. Uh, hopefully not like the Legend. Hopefully, Legend of Vox Machina isn't going to be like which would like that, which where where it'll get dropped by Amazon after a second after the second season, and is once again looking for a home. 
So they're they're off drifting right now. At the moment, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. To be fair, honestly, as much as I kickstarted the uh, re- the revival, I didn't like the new episodes as much as the old episodes. The uh, the the comedy styling was a little more rapid fire than I wanted it to be. The, the actual riffing, you mean? Yeah, the riffing was yeah. was more nonstop. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, it, it like it. I liked it okay. It just wasn't. It wasn't like the old stuff, in my opinion. Right. Well, and, and you got to remember, starting with Joel, mm-hmm. who was so laid back that you were surprised. You know, he was like he was surprised when his heart beat. <laughs> yeah. Um, mean, Joel reminded me of that guy that got stoned and watched movies on you know um, over the weekend and riffed on them. Yep. Well, it should be actually pointed out here before we go too too far um, that MST3K um, actually owes its existence to um, to even older forms of uh, of riffing, whether they've acknowledged it or not. There's very heavy influences from like Sven Gulli. Um, if you are not familiar with, nope. with okay, nope. <laughs> okay, so. Um, in the long, long times of yesteryear, um, you're familiar with Elvira, right? Mistress of the Night? Yes. Yeah. Sven Gulli was... Of the Dark. Sven, um, of the Dark, whatever. <laughs> Mistress of the Night, Mrs. the Dark, whatever. Um, Sven Gulli was, sort, was, was, uh, was sort of a, uh, a, a colleague of hers, as it were. Typically playing B-horror movies. Okay. Um, and at commercial breaks... He would have he would have some thing to say, mm-hmm. um, making joke or what have you about uh, about about thing that just happened, right. and then on the return, some other joke, and now we return you to our movie. Um, and in fact, someone is still going on t- currently as son of Sven Gulli, even to these di- to this day, even though he's not actually a son, but carries that mantle. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a channel in uh, that my dad gets that uh, that shows him like like once a month, and it's really interesting. Um, it's because it, it's it's a throwback to old like this was something that was going to be on UHF TV. Um, and then on USA Network. Yeah. I mean, this goes back to USA Network back in the you know channel thirty six mm-hmm. on your you know on your cable dial. Um, this is where we rec- rec- recorded our, our VHS copy of Clash of the Titans, the original. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think that was TNT, technically. But I mean, yeah, this goes back to the early, early days of, you know, of cable. Yes. Because this was, it was started off as a public access show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, really what you're looking at is, let's, you know, it's a low-budget thing. Because you can tell everything there looks handmade. Yep. Because it is. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things I, I learned, by the way, when I was looking at some of the like history and info on the on the franchise, if you will, is how they like made the like Shadow Vision stuff, right? Where they would do <laughs> um, they would have like, oh well the actual human would be wearing all all dark clothing and then they'd like have this material they put up and like make it make sure everything's all painted or you know, blacked out or whatever. Yep. To to give this like uniform look to it. Mm-hmm. And that became a whole thing in and of itself, the whole shadow vision thing. Right. Or Shadow Rama is what it's called. Shadow Rama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and I mean, how much how much lower budget can you get than that? I then think that's hand, part of the charm. Handmade puppets, puppets pl- painted black in front of right. a green screen, right? Yeah. In front of a screen, yeah, riffing on a movie, you know. I mean, and then, of course, you have the host spots. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that MST really, really kind of, um, really kind of, um, pioneered. Uh, pioneered, yes, thank you, mm-hmm. was riffing during the movie as well. Right. As opposed to just at interstitials between, right? Um, like, like I said, Svengulli has his like has a uh, has influence, but he's but it, it one neither of you had ever fucking heard of him, right? Uh, and two, <laughs> um, I think I've heard the name somewhere, but didn't have yeah. any context for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and two, like. They iterated on that to, to create what they did. Um, yeah. And they made movies, and, and they, they didn't make movies, they made movies better. Uh, they, made they made bad, bad movies, movies better. better. Yeah, bad movies watchable. Um, and to the, the tune of Santa Claus Conquers the Martians is a, is a movie I watch every year around Christmas time. <laughs> and they also brought to light, you know, some of the worst movies ever made. Mm-hmm. But also, Bad movies are so bad they're good. Yeah, a lot of a lot of movies that that, that they hi- that they highlight are definitely in the so bad they're good territory. Yeah. Because um, and to and to briefly plug an episode from season two, um, season um, so bad so bad they're good. We we determine one of the main criteria is uh, is earnestness in its construction. Right. You have to have been trying to make something good, <laughs> and you have to believe that you were making something good, and, and you have to have been so, so wrong. <laughs> so bad at it. The Room. The, the Room is the perfect... essential example. Yeah, he spent yeah. like five million dollars of his own money to make that movie. No one's quite sure where he has the money from, but then I'm pretty sure he's a vampire. Or some other like eldritch immortal thing, uh, <laughs> and so suddenly you break through bad. Yeah. To, oh my god, this is actually entertaining. Yes. To to, I could I could watch that again so quickly and laugh at it incessantly. Well, it's important uh, to remember that entertaining does not necessarily have an alignment of good or bad. It's just right. entertaining. It's right. true. <laughs> exactly. So I mean. But yeah, and, and the thing is, is that this was okay. So the thing that I, to me, that I think makes MST3K what it is, is that they were just having a good time. Yeah. I mean, this was just a hey, we've got a public, you know, spot. Let's do the thing. Right. Let's have a little fun. They believed in what mm. they were doing. Well, they enjoyed. What Joel they were doing. Joel said that that the idea of doing it on the public access channel mm-hmm. uh, was that. This is something he did with his friends anyway, right. at home. Right. And well, share the wealth, right? And, yeah, they, yeah. and there was a time slot that opened up. Right. And they're like, well, we could do this. You got the so license to all these, all these crap on. old movies from like the fifties. Let's do it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the thing was, they weren't trying to do something spectacular. No, they were just having a fun time and sharing it with and sharing it with whoever wanted to see it. I think uh, this has this is kind of like um, you know, we talk a lot about now where like people watch specific like um, 
streams or like follow YouTube personalities or whatever and you have all these little micro fandoms going on mm -hmm. and a lot of the thing about that is because what makes that uh, people engage in uh, what makes it special is that uh, it's this more of an intimate thing which is odd to say because it's the internet right but it's it's an intimate thing in the sense that like the creators actually respond to comments and like yep. actually like shout it like it's a thing where it's more direct there's not always gatekeepers with distributors and co yeah. big companies and stuff in between it's just the creators of the content and the consumers of the content right and this is a thing where like you had some you had some kind of foreshadowing of that in the execution of the franchise where like they kind of built this weird grassroots community kind of thing this fandom Keep before the internet was even the a thing. yeah exactly. which goes back to the VHS era when yeah. it first came out, you know, was it the late nineties? Mm-hmm. Because it started in ninety-six. It was like yeah, it was like yeah, mid to late nineties was its original run. So it's like twenty-five mm -hmm. years ago. Um, twenty-four, twenty-five years ago. Yeah, and they basically they were like, hey, they weren't trying to monetize it. No. By the way, that is my first um exposure, I think, to MST3K was the VHS MST3K the movie. In like the late '90s, I want to say mm -hmm. either that or a Comedy Central rerun. See, I saw um, it when it was on Comedy Central. We got, yeah, I I definitely also became aware of it during the comedy era. Right, I can't remember. It, it's kind of hazy if I saw the movie first and then I started watching the show, or if the show's kind of on the background and then my brother rented the movie. One of those, but it was around the same time, and um, yeah, that's that was my main exposure to it. Of course, you know, I and that's the thing is it it became it. Like I said, I think it became this this community that grew, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because of the fans, because they, you know, they started actually in '88. By the way, was it '88? Mm -hmm. God, back in the original uh, KTMA runs, '88 right. to '99 yeah, were public was access. Its, was its initial was was its initial uh, life uh, before it uh, entered into syndication for a while? So over thirty years. Yep, mm -hmm. it's crazy. Well, no, eleven. Not about 88. Oh, 30 years ago, yes. Yeah. Like, so it has I, been a thing for more than 30 years, is what I'm saying. It, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things that... One iteration or another. It went... And, and I think that's the thing, is you never know what people are just going to dig. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have... And now there's a world, you know... There are fans, Misty's. You know? Yeah. Uh, just like, you know... You had one of the more successful Kickstarters uh, in Kickstarter history. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, one of the first Kickstarters that I that I that I was aware of getting like attention from news outlets that don't just cover like that that aren't like specifically entertainment news outlets. Right. <laughs> it's like, right. yeah. hey, uh, this this show made like six million dollars. Like, I can't. It was it was some number of millions of dollars, and it's like. Yeah, and they were sitting there going, what? <laughs> what amuses me about those, um, those situations is that anytime something like that happens, then that in and, in and of itself is a free advertisement for the very crowdfunding service that it's on. It's right. true. It's like every time something like that happens, every time there's a um, an MST3K or a Critical Role thing or whatever mm -hmm. it or is. Or the potato salad one. Yeah. Potato salad one. You don't know the potato salad Kickstarter? I think you mentioned this, but I don't remember the specifics. Uh, okay, uh, very, very short. Very, very, very short. A guy uh, put uh, put together a Kickstarter for $45 to make potato salad. Oh, yeah, you didn't. You didn't and he ended up raising somewhere on the order of like $600,000. <laughs> 
Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's always those weird one-off things like that, but... Yeah, the internet's weird. <laughs> I think that's one of the one of the easiest takeaways from uh, yeah. The internet is weird. Yeah, aliens would not know what to do with the, with the uh, with the with the uh, messages broadcasting out from our planet anymore. But here's the th- but you know MST3K predates the internet. Yes, right. it does. You know that's the fanzine mm-hmm. underground network. Right. Yeah. You know. I remember, um, I can't remember which episode it was, um, watching it, where they got a letter from someone in France <laughs> talking about how much they loved MST3K <laughs> when it needs to be pointed out that, yes, they were on the comedy channel at that point, but you know where the comedy channel wasn't? France. France. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Keep circulating those tapes, <laughs> right? Someone was well, someone was taping episodes for them and mailing them to France because these they, they were they were people who just really loved the show. That's funny. <laughs> and you got to realize there's somebody that went over to France. Going, hmm. You know, it was like, um, it was like, hey Jacques, check this out. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> Look, the robot. <laughs> You know. And for once, I'm not the person saying something that can be construed as racist on the podcast. I don't think if it's a not. nationality, then. Yeah, it's nationality, yeah. especially with European. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a walking hate crime. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's just one of those things of somebody. Yeah. You know. Either that or some, or either that or some Frenchie visited America and there was like, "Hey, dude, yeah, this is great." <laughs> That's how I got introduced to Firefly. Um, visited America? No. <laughs> Went down and visited from America. deep space. We always knew you were an alien. <laughs> not that kind of alien. Well, I imagine uh, it might not even be like a mailing the tapes thing. It could be like somebody visits their friend in France and is like, here, here's an extra copy of this thing. Or someone, if, like you said, someone in France visits their friend or family in, in America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I, that does amuse me, though. I always think that's amusing when you have like unexpected uh, yeah. fans in areas that don't even carry that. I mean, right now with the internet, it's not really a thing as much anymore. But unless it happens to be a country where the internet is censored, like China or something, but yeah. you know, generally speaking, in. and, f- and even then, societies. you can get tapes in. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, you can never fully, you can't stop the signal now. Like, right, you can never yeah. fully control something like the internet. Yeah, it's just as true. Yeah. But, yeah, and, but that's the power of fandom, because also you probably had, you know, conventions where somebody has, you know, their VCR hooked up to the TV in their room. Well, I'm sure there's all kinds of, like, viewing parties for fans, right? I mean, yeah. it's got to have been a thing, yeah. especially early on before oh, yeah. the yeah. internet and all that, you know? Yeah. I mean, people will always find a way. Mm-hmm. And I guess that really comes down to, you know, we love what we love. And I guess it comes out to another corny saying, love will always find a way. Aww. I mean, what we love, we'll always find a way to share. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, when you think about it, that's the most, <laughs> that's the most um, like, fitting way to consume it is to get a few people together mm-hmm. and watch it because that's the whole premise of the thing is a few people trying yeah. to survive the insanity yeah. that is on the screen. Exactly. Yes, the, the official plot is that, uh, at least initially, Dr. Clayton Forrester 
of uh, of Deep Thirteen uh, Laboratories. And Frank and TV's Frank. And uh, well, originally it was actually it was another guy. TV's Frank was also the second second banana to it that he got. Um, he was uh, exper- He was he was. Um, he also ran Gizmotic Institute. Yeah, that's, that's also where it begins. Uh, sorry, um, Deep Thirteen was after was was a little bit later. But anyhow, um, um, was trying to find a movie so bad it could be weaponized. Um, so he took a hostage and made him watch a bunch of bad movies, and the only reason that that he's capable of of maintaining sanity is by making fun of what he watches. Now here's something With his I robot find, friends. Well, yes. here's something I find interesting about this is the premise says that <laughs> the uh, the hostage who is Joel himself initially. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the way, they they love they they don't. Anyone who's in that role, apparently it's a thing where they don't like having to remember a different name because it's always just the name of the person. Yeah. Like Joel and Mike, it's, those are their actual names in real life, but mm-hmm. I digress. And Jonah for that yeah. matter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it's a tradition at that point, so yeah. I, I get it. <laughs> right. But what I what I don't understand is Joel uh, is supposed to be a janitor, but then he just builds robots? Like, how can he build robots? How does he have that skill set if he's just a well, janitor? I mean, Remember, he, he it's was just he was, a show. Yeah, you should really <laughs> just, just relax. relax. <laughs> <laughs> well, the MST3K mantra is another really important thing, which is some of the times you just need to remind yourself, it's just a show, I should stop worrying about it. If you're worried about how he eats and breathes um, and other science facts, yeah. <laughs> just remember, and remember well, and like, yourself, it's just like, a show. It's like sweating really... the science of explosions in yeah. Star Wars. Well, just, the, it, just enjoy the explosions. The theory that I always got behind was, you'll you'll notice it as um, that, that, uh, that Joel, the janitor, was initially doing vacuuming with an accordion. So... Yes. What? He's vacuuming up and he's creating Please. suction by playing an accordion. Okay. In the open, in the intro. So <laughs> I, you always get the impression that he's a really handy and sort of capable individual. He's like a MacGyver who <laughs> happens to be doing custodial work yeah. at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he wasn't technically a... a, a he, he did a good job cleaning up the place. This is true. But he was never officially mentioned as a janitor. He was just another face in a red jumpsuit. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, god, I, 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 I could, I could go on. There, MST was is. I have a lot of fond memories about like this was this was something that my whole family got together to watch um, a lot. So it was it was really it was great to be to. I have a lot of very fond nostalgic memories for MST three K. Yeah. See, and I've never been a you know like watch TV all night long. I have like I used to have like five shows I used to watch. Quantum Leap at one point was one of them. Um, you know MST three K, Stargate. You know, um, you know Star Trek. My, my those were my things. So these were part of my my memories of. You know, a fandom. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, it was one of those things you you could watch and just, you know, the idea wasn't for it to be all that factual. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's just an excuse to watch bad movies and riff on them. Yeah. And, um, I, I mean, the, the comedies, 
actually like really dated now, but it's still funny. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So. Oh, um, <laughs> so you know, the funny thing is, is that MST3K also pulls a lot from audience participation, like from Rocky Horror. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I a, the that's same another thought. thing that we're talking that does, about, yeah, like, the history of the mm -hmm. the influences and stuff before. You're right. Uh, mm -hmm. It happened. I was I was going to ask at some point, like, do you think that like contributed to the? I would the be concept? willing to. I would would be willing to assume as much. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's a it's a pretty wide gulf. I, well, I don't know. It's hard to say because Rocky Horror came out in 1970, but how long did it take for that to become this big? Like that developed over time, right? Uh, okay, well, like I was I was going to Rocky Horror stuff. I was going on. to Midnight Showings of Rocky Horror Picture Show in 1987. Want to rest my case then? And it was '88 when uh, when MST came out, right? So yeah, so, let's see here. Hang on a second. Entirely possible there's some yes influence. There. there probably is some overlap there. It's not like it's not something that I'm that I'm directly aware of. Like. I'm, all, I'm honestly I'm only construing the uh, the link to uh, to Sven Gulli and such as well. It's just it's right. so um, incredibly similar that it's hard to believe that it's not an influence. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. kind of like how um, how uh, d <sighs> shoot. Um, One thing comes to mind is Weird Al and Doctor Demento. Yeah, well, that's yeah. A, that's another thing that's pro that's very that's probably very heavily an influence too. Um, yeah, Doctor Demento was a big influence on nerd culture. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I was, it was the thing I was going to say is like it, it's it's one of those things where you really have a difficult time believing that this was an inf an influence. Like yeah. Joss Whedon claiming that he's never seen Outlaw Star, even though there's scenes. That are almost like frame for frame, almost completely <laughs> yeah. fucking identical. Right. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> um, and I mean, sure. I mean, maybe he didn't, and they just managed to create something that that's that's nigh on identical. But it's hard to believe that 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 the that that at least there's not, not there's nothing something at least subconsciously. Right. There. Right. So we we talked a bit about about. Uh, MST and like just it, it it is in general, but we should also we also promise to mention things about it's. Let's see, what are we doing for time? Really, we've only been talking for thirty minutes. Huh. Okay. Well, we got more time than I thought. Um, sorry. Um, another thing we should really mention is is how it's had an influence on, like, it, it, the influence that it has had on. Uh, on nerd culture and things along those lines. Right. Um, and, like, the first thing that I would point to um, is, like, the the rise of the internet critic, uh, like, along the lines of, like, the angry video game nerd and, uh, and the nostalgia critic and people along those lines who are very definitely just aping, like, they are de very definitely influenced by uh, MST3K. Yeah. Um, many of them having outright acknowledged it, and some of them being like, well, yeah, I guess, I, I guess so, yeah, maybe, but I wasn't thinking about it, but whether you're thinking about it or not, right. the, it's something that, that a, a lot of internet riff culture, 
we mentioned we've mentioned this concept a lot, and pre probably pretty much anyone listening to us knows what we're talking about. We're talking about riffing something, mm -hmm. and watching it and making fun of it, as it making happens, jokes. Yeah. Um, and they made that culturally acceptable. Yeah, because you're not supposed to talk to in the movie. It's even a little thing front at the beginning says, but yeah, you know, we ignore that. Um, well, I mean, it's it's polite to not talk during the movie if it's a movie that you know one seen that you haven't seen. Yeah, if you're in a theater, but if yeah. you're at home, it's all fair game. Unless, of course, you're in a theater. Unless, of course, you are like uh, me and my friend AJ when we went and saw um, uh, X Men: uh, Rise of the Phoenix Dark or Phoenix. Dark Phoenix, whatever the heck it was. Mm -hmm. um, we went and saw it on a Thursday afternoon. Or not sorry, a Friday afternoon at the Hollywood Theaters downtown, and we were literally the only people in the theater. <laughs> and so you know what we did? Yeah. We yeah. took it to town. That sounds extremely And we fun. got and we got a few laughs out of the projection booth. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and, and the thing is, is that I think it's you know the point where the the audience becomes part of the or the participation. Yeah. Um, where yeah, you get angry video game critic and things like that. But I think Nerd. also people pe people will will rage at me in the comments. Except you know we don't have an, a large enough commu uh, community to rage at me in the comments. But damn you! So obviously we need to make things that are factually inaccurate all the time so that people will we'll come correct out. us. Right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's it's become part of culture. Mm -hmm. um, you know to have fun poking fun at something but not hate it another thing you would see is um on like a lot of dvd commentaries and stuff you'd have a lot of that thing where like people the actors and creators of the content would not straight up mst3k it mm -hmm. but like you know poke fun at their own stuff at their own creations and or, or talk about it yeah i mean the commentary yeah. become commentary um, i'm reminded of uh it was, I think, Paul Bettany and Alan Tudyk and the producer of A Knight's Tale um, on one of the, on the DVD commentary, huh. and they they slightly riffed a lot of things like, uh, yeah. oh yeah, and this scene cost us three million dollars to 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 film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this set right here. Five hundred thousand dollars, and like, like it was a common running joke of things that were very obviously very cheap, yeah. and how, a, how, and how very much money they ended up spending on it, quote unquote. Right. Um, it's it's one of the, those DVD commentaries I really highly recommend watching. One, because it's for a good movie, and two, just because the commentary is really funny. Well, a lot of those are <laughs> what made a lot of that. Um, a lot of those commentaries so amusing is that you'd get people uh, that would get thrown together because somebody on a board or in a suit or whatever would be like, ah, oh, we need a commentary for this thing. You always have a commentary. And nobody really has anything specific to say. So, so they just kind of fuck around for an hour and a half to two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, those are some of the best, actually, when they're mm -hmm. just kind of there, like, and, you know, especially if they, like, you know, they have a good working relationship or, like, yeah. comedic chemistry or whatever. You see that a lot with, like, you know, comedies or at least casts that, like, know each other, work with yeah. each other before. Or they're just kind of fucking around the, and fill the, the time and it's fun. The cast commentaries uh, for the Lord of the Rings movies are similarly really good. Yeah. Right. Uh, you have Orlando Well, there's so Bloom. many great stories. So yeah. well, you have Orlando Bloom trying to be more serious than he really should be. <laughs> <laughs> 
Elijah Wood leading this cast. No, it's fucking Viggo Mortensen, man. <laughs> well, there's a there's a long story history of the Lord of the Rings cast not taking shit so seriously because I remember like they would have the, like memes and like viral videos and stuff mm -hmm. that happen, and then they'd get in on it like they're taking the hobbits to Isengard. Yep. Like it was actually yeah. a video of Orlando Bloom like moving doing his that. face back and forth doing the thing. Yeah, uh, during <laughs> the, the during video. a hobbit during yeah. during a uh, hobbit. Uh, fantastic filming. He, he, he <laughs> did. No, he actually even sang. They're taking the hobbits. Like, <laughs> yeah, did no, the he whole went thing. whole hog. It was great. Um, I reminded of of uh, one, another another brief digression. Um, John Rhys Davies uh, played Gimli. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite random stories uh, from it was in the Two Towers commentary. It was talking about um, talking about about, about um, one of those wide tracking shots during them uh, tracking people. Yeah. Um, and it's like, and, and so I remember setting up for this scene, and um, my and my prop people, I, and I had the two people were carrying my armor up this hill, and then another pe two, couple people were carrying my weapons up this hill. Then I went up the hill, and got into costume, and went back down the hill, um, and then and then Peter tells me, okay, now I want you to run up that hill. <laughs> <laughs> Like, <laughs> it was like, like you know, these two people, four people straining to carry all my shit up to the t up to the to the to the uh, hill. to up, up the top of the hill, um, where where you know where where the cameras and sit and shit was, and then go down to the bottom of the hill. Now you're wearing five hundred pounds of shit. Run, run up that hill. <laughs> so the funny thing is, is that MST three K. We're talking about its impact on culture. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to kind of, kind of come back to come um, back to the actual meat of the of the episode. Yeah. So, is reading through some of my research on this, the MST3K actually eventually pushed the films that they mocked back into having value again. Yep. Yeah. Uh, specifically, the Gamera films. Yeah, camera films. Um, yeah, um, the, the MST is is pretty much entirely credited with uh, Gamera becoming popular in America again. Mm -hmm. um, after he was completely supplanted by uh, Godzilla. <laughs> by the way, at some point we should totally watch the Gamera films for like another <laughs> Halloween episode. There's only there's only five of them, mm -hmm. as opposed to the thirteen we uh, Godzilla movies we had to watch last year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, and, and not everybody was real happy with the treatment of their films by the MST3K crew. Uh, there, uh, there, there are three words that I can say to, uh, to, uh, to point that out. Okay. Joe Don Baker has absolutely hated every single appearance he has had in because uh, he was in Mitchell and he was in Final Justice and he felt like they really um, he, he complained about what they did in uh, in Mitchell so mm -hmm. as a result when they did Final Justice they laid into him so hard <laughs> and Final well, Justice is by the way one of my favorite episodes <laughs> Well, it's like it's like the people that would, it's like people that would get upset with Weird Al stuff, and it's like, dude, just go with the flow. Like, yeah, it, 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 it's just 
promoting awareness of the yeah. thing. Very few people have ever been mad at Weird Al. Like, even the whole Coolio being mad at Weird Al thing. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Coolio being mad about Weird Al parodying his, parodying his music? Mm-hmm. It was him being mad because Weird Al had, had, asked, had told his producer to ask for permission. The producer had asked for permission. Coolio had said no, right. and then the producer told Weird Al that he had said yes. Right. I'm the beef this, there right. was entirely with the producer. Yeah, yeah. It was entirely Third the producer. Thing. Yeah, right. would like didn't respect anyone's wishes, and because Weird Al had had said a number of times, like he never got to parody Prince's music because Prince wouldn't let him. Yeah, and he respected that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, good lord, if anything was right for parody, <laughs> and, th- and I'm a Prince fan, but I mean, right. I mean, when you're that unique and flamboyant, like, yes, it, it right. writes itself. It really yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Well, and, but then not everybody was as you know, like Miles O'Keefe, absolutely loved what they did to because he always got shit for uh, for what was the yeah. one Cave Dwellers. <laughs> How much O'Keefe is in this movie? Miles, Miles of O'Keefe. Because <laughs> I remember watching that episode too. I remember Cave Dwellers. Seeing... Cave Dwellers. Uh, what What's fun about that is Cave Dwellers is actually the third uh, movie of the Ator the the uh, the fighting uh, mm-hmm. the fighting eagle um, trilogy, uh-huh. all featuring Miles O'Keefe. Right. <laughs> um, there was Ator the Fighting Evil, the Eagle. Um, mm-hmm. There was um, Quest for the Mighty Sword, um, and there was uh, the Cave Dwellers. Quest for the Mighty Sword, I actually caught on a public on public access TV, um, like uh, about eleven years ago, just randomly. <laughs> um, we caught it at the very beginning. It was me, my dad, and my mom, and we watched the whole thing because <laughs> oh, it was wow. because because. You we couldn't look away, right? We couldn't tell what it, like what what is this? <laughs> yeah. What is this? Especially right? since it's called Quest for the Mighty Sword. He literally gets the Mighty Sword in the first fifteen minutes of the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. But yeah, and not, so not everybody's hated it. I mean, Miles. No, O'Keefe, Miles O'Keefe has uh, really liked it. Like uh, Rex Reason, mm-hmm. uh, Adam West, mm-hmm. um, which was uh, was the one he did, uh, Zombie Nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, Adam West strikes me as a good sport about everything. Oh yeah, I mean, Adam West parodies himself enough at this right, point. Yeah. Well, well, he did. I unfortunately he's passed away. Now. Yeah, yeah. But he but parodied he himself enough. Gotta love the the Batman the animated series episode where Adam West shows up as the mm. gray ghost. Yeah. Oh, and uh, one of my one of my favorite Adam West quotes of all time was. Uh, it was in response to something about one of the more recent, like one of the Nolan Batman movies or something, and he's just like, you know, I <clears throat> never had to say I'm Batman. I showed up, I wore the costume, people knew I was Batman. <laughs> 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 I was just like, damn straight, man. Yeah, damn straight. Fucking, yeah, the original you just Batman. show up, yeah, he's motherfucking Batman. Like, he doesn't have to say I'm Batman. Yeah. Right? Yeah, of course. So, I yeah, I, mean, I actually really liked the I'm Batman line. Because it, it was a great introduction to the first like the first time you got to see you got to see him in the full cape and cowl. Well, that was yeah, that wasn't uh, wasn't that in the original like. Was in Batman one? Begins. It was in it was in it was also in well, Batman. No, it goes back to yeah. I think it goes it back, back, to, back to the first Batman movie. Who are you? I'm Batman. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And which watching Michael Keaton deliver that line. It's been a long time since I've seen that one, unfortunately. Yeah, that was, watching, that was okay. a great delivery. Yeah. Well, and having watched him in Crazy People, 
Um, or no, the Dream King. Because uh, watching him play off of um, Doc Brown. Oh, Chris. Uh, Chris Christopher. Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. And uh, Peter Boyle. Uh, <laughs> you know, watching so. that team play together in comedic. There is a line in there where someone asks, "Who are you?" And he says, "You know, I'm an escaped mental patient with a history of violence." <laughs> <And> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a weird meta thing there. Right. And then I'm going, this line would work just as well here, too. <laughs> I'm just yeah. a middle patient with a history of violence. <laughs> you know, I'm Batman. Because, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, because I, I, lo I love the opening scene in Batman. Uh, you know, because it's like the guy, you know, is like, don't home without it. Uh, going through the verse, the purse. Um you know, and then getting the crap beat out of him and dragged back, you know. I really need to rewatch the original Batman again. I haven't seen it in a long time. Oh, I've got yeah, it on DVD it's, it's if you want it, man. It's, it's, it's yeah, amazing. I'm going to have to take you up on that. Um, yeah, so it was like a three-degree digression. Yeah. Batman via Adam West, via people not taking themselves so seriously yeah, when their stuff right. is on the show. Well, yeah. and, and I think I think Michael Keaton would take would would be a good sport about it. He strikes me. Although at the, the same time, I don't think Michael Keaton's ever been anything that's really bad enough to to, to, to merit to, 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 <coughs> right, yeah, so, to, to merit treatment. Gold star for Michael Keaton, I uh, guess. Right. <laughs> Um, because that, that 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 is one thing that is kind of required for um, for the MST three three K yeah. treatment. You do need a movie that is that, really that, bad. Well, not that not well, it, really but it has bad. to be entertainingly. Bad. It has to be. It has to be bad. That it has to be bad and entertain. You're right. Like. Right. Um, there's all sorts of terrible bad. movies that come out these days, but they wouldn't be a fun riff track situation. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, they have to be hilariously could, bad. Like, yes. You could put something out like the Emoji movie. Like that's that's just some mediocre, ridiculous garbage that yeah. shouldn't exist. But it you wouldn't, wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't it wouldn't be fun. It needs to be a movie that's bad and not medi but but not mediocre. mediocre. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of content these days is just so meh. You yeah. need something that is bad enough that you can come up with the many names. Uh, <laughs> of uh, and also right. a lot of the mediocrity, a lot of the mediocre stuff is like People, cynical people making decision to make it even though they know it sucks. Yeah. It doesn't have the earnestness of what we described earlier. Yeah, right. So, so it's like immediately good. disqualified. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I mean, yeah, you can absolutely, uh, you can absolutely. Uh, oh, by the way, um, Rift Tracks, by the way, is uh, Mike is uh, Michael N uh, Nelson and Kevin Murphy and. Uh, what's his name? Corbett. I can't remember his first name. Suddenly. Uh, yeah, I can't either. But I know who you're talking about. Corbett. Maybe I don't know, um, but it it was the it was the Pearl Forrester um, era MST3K Mike and the Bots. Yeah. Um, Bill Corbett. Bill Corbett. Okay, I was right. <laughs> um, to the internet. <laughs> yes, um, and that's that is Rift Tracks. So like they're they're still they're still just doing it, and they're just not doing right. it with the Shadow Rama. Bobbing their heads right. back and forth while they talk right. in front of in front of the thing, um, and they're still like and and you know they they still pick out great things to make fun of, and by great things I mean Birdemic. Oh wow! And okay. Sharknado. Oh my gosh! Oh my God, yes. Hmm. And, I'm uh, intrigued. <laughs> and have you have you not seen Sharknado? I mean, no, I've never actually watched the movie. I I'm very aware of it. Okay. I never actually saw it. Yeah, I was just saying. 
not very worth it. It's not that I haven't. No, it, what mm. I'm intrigued about is is the prospect of seeing the riff tracks for these obviously ridiculous things. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. It didn't even cross my mind to watch the riff track for this, and because I didn't even watch the movie. But yeah. Now yeah. I'm actually intrigued. Um. Right. Birdemic. That was also on. Uh, How did this get made? It's a <laughs> freaking Birdemic. Great podcast of. Well, it's pretty self-explanatory. Crappy movies and disgusting. How did this get made? How exactly did this get made? You should check that out. Um, well, when you look at Manos, Hand of Fate. Manos, the Hand of Fate. One of the most famous MST episodes. Every frame of this movie like someone, looks like someone's last known photograph. <laughs> um, uh, which is the most common description of that movie using that particular riff. <laughs> from MST3K, <Yep. laughs> um, and you know, and uh, <laughs> oh, well. Another thing um, that occurs to me is with my personal like exposure or experience with um, MST3K is um, there's this there's a um, there's a thing that would I don't know if you're familiar with this, but there's a there's a little internet phenomena thing. And it was YTMND, where it would just play... You're the man yeah, now, yes. dog. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And that went on... That was the that was the genesis for it. And then it would become a whole, like, thing where people would put up whatever funny recurring sound effect or, mm-hmm. you know, track or whatever from a movie or a show or whatever. It became this whole thing. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and that was where it all started from Finding Force to the ridiculousness of Sean Connery saying, You're the man now, dog. And which, is, which is weird, because Finding Force is a really good movie. Oh so yeah, I'm sure it's a great movie. But that's the digress. only thing that people remember yeah. <laughs> is the most ridiculous part of him with a straight face saying, You're the man now, dog. Um, which is inherently ridiculous. I mean it's Sean Connery saying you're the man now, dog. Yep. Who cannot appreciate the silliness of that? But This is true. Anyway, point is, um, I when that became kind of a thing, and I would I would people people in like forums I would read would like share their, their particular YTM and D links and they some would be pretty hilarious. And that was one of those ones that I came across, with, and there were many of them, MST3K ones. And it was the whole thing we talked about earlier where it's like, we put our faith in <laughs> Blast Bolt, Archies, Bolt Vanderhuge, <laughs> Big McLarchuge, all this. Slab Johnson. Yeah, all this ridiculous. There's like, you know, like 20 of those right. fucking things. Yep. But um, that was always one of that my favorite was, bits. That was actually, I think, probably my favorite random geek shirt that I saw at, Vi- at VisionCon uh, yes. last year. <laughs> the, the uh, he visited our booth, um, <laughs> and, a guy, and it was a shirt with, with a name tag that says, Hi, my name is, and it had... All and it had the all the names, and they were all crossed out except for Jack Ryder at the bottom, like <laughs> down in his nice. gut. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, so that was the Jack Ryder. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Yeah, here's the shirt. <laughs> Actually, it's no, none of them are crossed out. No, they're not crossed. I thought they were crossed out. No, um, it's Dave Ryder at the top. David Ryder, not Jack Ryder. Right. Sorry. It's Slab Bulkhead Fridge. Slab Bulkhead. Yeah, that was one of the ones. Yeah. Take a look at this. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, you know, the funny thing about it is they they had so many names on that bit that the YTM&D thing didn't have a long enough runtime before it had to loop the thing. So only had got like half the names in there. Right, exactly. <laughs> there were just so fucking many of these things. That's great. <laughs> but yeah, they, they did a few of the, uh, Bolt Vanner Huge was one of them. Um... Some of them. Oh, thick Mick Run Fast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Blast Hard Cheese. Yeah. Yep. Blast Hard Cheese. Definitely. 
Good punch name. rock groin. Yeah. That's another one they mentioned. Yeah. And stump chunkman. <laughs> stump. <laughs> yeah, this one. Oh yeah, Flint Crystal McThorn body. Yeah, yeah. that's another one. What Flint Rock Jaw? They got about a dozen in there in the sound effect. Yeah. Bob Johnson. Oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> Crunch butt steak. Oh god, it's so great. Roll fizzle Roll beef. Fizzle beef. Roll yeah. fizzle beef. <laughs> uh, which I named my uh, I named a, my, my character in our Torchlight Two pl- uh, playthrough. Actually. Um, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Blast thick neck, yep. butt mm. steak, slab squat thrust. Like it, it, it is hard. Like lump beef broth. So um, that's this is by the way uh, experiment eight twenty space mutiny. Very easily one of their best episodes. Yeah. Cave, yeah. Quay, cave de- dwellers. Was cave it? dwellers yeah, is, cave a, is a really good one. Um, yeah, of course. You said you had your your tradition, your annual tradition of uh, yeah. I, tradition? I watch I watch Santa Claus conquers the Martians. Conquers, yes, thank you. Santa Claus um, conquers the Martians. Santa Claus, like, it's actually not all that great an episode, but at this point, it's a tradition. <laughs> um, but like ones I can I can really go back to any time. Space Mutiny, uh, Manos the Hands of Fate, um, Mitchell, Final Justice. Um, the giant Gila monster. Oh man, the giant Gila monster. And the Lord said, "Die, children, die." La, la, la. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how, what was that last one? Uh, the giant Gila monster. How do you Gila monster? Gila. Gila. G i l a. Gila. G i l a. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm making a short list here because I've been meaning to watch some more of this stuff mm-hmm. and I want to start with the best of the best. Yeah, um, Giant Halo Monster is really good. Um, any of the Gamera ones, um, it, pretty much any of the Gamera movies, um, and uh, and also definitely Godzilla vs. Megalon, if you can get your hands on it. Gotcha. Um, because, like... Oh man, Godzilla vs. Megalon is great. Rex Dart, Eskimo Spy. Well, I'll have, a, I'll have a special appreciation for it now that I've watched all those movies. <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, th- those are those are episodes I could go back to any time. Um, yeah. There's so many of them. Oh, um, Warrior of the Lost Worlds also really good. Um, and the day the Earth froze. Um, there were a lot. Here's the thing. There's there were a lo- there have been a yeah. lot of episodes. Oh yeah, ton of them. So Joel and um, going back, you know, kind of digging through the history on it. Evidently, Silent Running was the was the primary influence on the premise. What's Silent Running? Silent Running is an old science fiction sh- uh, film. Uh, set in the future, um, and it's a very sad one. Uh, basically, one guy is the last crew member of a spaceship containing Earth's uh, last surviving forests, and he has two uh, uh, his companions are basically three robots. Um, Oh, so an old science fiction movie was the premise for this show about old science fiction movies? <laughs> yeah, now the thing is, is that Silent Running is a classic. Uh, so in an odd twist, it's actually a good movie. It is actually a good movie. <laughs> yeah. um, let's see, reception. 67% um, positive reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. 
Um, Oh, Overdrawn of the Memory Bank also was a really good one. Okay. Oh, and the, Her- and, and the Hercules one uh, episodes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. The, the Arnold Schwarzenegger Hercules? Uh, no. Uh, not the Arnold Schwarzenegger Hercules. That's, that's, um, uh, that's, that's part of what's, what's like, no. That makes uh, it so funny. <laughs> It, it, it predates Arnold Schwarzenegger. The, yeah, the, the Ferrigno version. I thought the Lou Ferrigno did one too. Um, Hercules and the Captive Women, specifically. Um, which is. Uh, who played Hercules? Some some Italian guy I can't remember. Um, I don't really know any of the Hercules movie stuff. I just know there's the Kevin Sorbo show, and then there's the Disney version of it. I don't remember the actual like old school Hercules movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, these were these were old school Italian Hercules movies. Yeah. Um, so... Is there a significance to the fact that they're Italian cinema? Um, that means they're they're badly overdubbed. Oh, okay. Um... <laughs> which is, which is, you know, it, it helps. Yeah. Um... Yeah, MST3K, I mean, again, when it comes back down to it, I mean, it's just people loving what they do. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, simplest terms, that is the gist of it. I mean, starting in 88. Yeah. With VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. And now it's one of the top shows on TV ever. Uh, it's one of the top 25 cult uh, shows. Mm-hmm. It's well, uh, you, all, it, you almost can't call it a cult show, a cult show anymore because it has defined because, mainstream. Right, because the cult is too big, right? <laughs> right. But it's it's one of those things that <clears throat> I mean, it, it took off, and it's the thing. It's because people loved it. Yeah. You know, and it was because it was made by people who loved it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what comes down to nerddom. You know, yeah. because all right to get so, all to d- get deeply philosophical again. Go for it, Ben. Well, it's like okay, so when you think Star Wars, one of the biggest ones, the things that come out of that, Hardware Wars, completely low budget film <laughs> that is a fucking legend. I haven't seen Hardware Wars in years, but it's a goddamn legend. Yes, it is. Uh, it, and it was a low budget, like what twenty minute movie. It's like a really short ass movie. Um, and just because people loved what they were doing, they were having fun. Yeah. Troops, <laughs> you know, which got got kind of parodied in the Mandalorian. In the Mandalorian, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. like the the, the 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 two the two stormtroopers st- sitting around talking to each other definitely was like, oh man, they are they are homaging troops they're, right here. Yeah, they're they're pulling from troops. <laughs> Let me push up my my non-existent glasses here. Um, actually, those were scout troopers. Yeah. <laughs> 
They are stormtroopers, but a subcategory that is distinct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Not to be confused with snow troopers or swamp troopers or death troopers. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, that's definitely. I love that's the other actually in there too. <laughs> I recently discovered that show on College Humor. I mean, and, and it's. I mean, those are the things that. Those are the things that catch on. Mm-hmm. Oh, another quick College Humor shout out. Um, Zach Morris is trash. That series of videos is fantastic. I grew up with Saved by the Bell, loved that show as a kid, and it goes through and uh, systemically shows what a terrible human being Zach Morris is on every level at almost all times. And it's like shocking to go back to me like, wow, yeah, he was a real dick. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little oh, side yeah. here. I would have signal boosted that earlier if it had come to my brain. Other, other brief uh, shout outs to uh, College Humor series, they're Captain Planet with Don Cheadle. <laughs> Wait, what? Don Cheadle is Captain Planet. Okay, now I must, I must watch this. <laughs> yes, you must. <laughs> See, but those, those are the things. I mean, Mouse Had a Fate was as you know the worst movie ever. It was a guy doing something on a dare. He was a uh, uh, he was a salesman. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a mortuary salesman or something like it was that. Something, yeah. <laughs> something macabre. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, he he did it on a dare from a friend. As I recall, um, it's so funny, like the ripple effects that these choices have. It's like because oh, yeah. that guy did a thing on a dare that mm-hmm. led to an episode of MSD3K, which became legendary and is still being talked about to this day. Yep. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like it's just so hilarious how things work out like that sometimes. He also starred. In, the The guy also started in film. Started right. in film. Um, let me see here. Oh, uh, quick aside. Directed, produced, and written by Harold P. Warren. There you go. Harold P. Warren. What, Neil, what was that movie uh, where you, sh- you showed us the clip that, that, like, I kick ass for the Lord? Like, what was that? That, uh, that was... Uh, that's, <laughs> that's Dead Enders, um, which, Dead is, Enders? Which, is, uh, which is Peter Jackson. <laughs> yeah, well, Peter Jackson is a lot of weird shit. I mean, Peter Jackson bad before, taste. before, yeah. <laughs> um, I believe it was the Dead Enders. It uh, might have been... Um, I got now. I got to double check. I'm pretty sure it was Dead Enders. That felt like a movie that would totally be rife for the three K yeah. treatment. Oh yeah. But yeah, that was just such a great. Movie. Sorry, no, Brain Dead. Oh, Brain Dead. That's right. I knew Dead was in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which the DVDs these days will commonly point out. From the director of Lord of the Rings, Peter <laughs> yeah. Jackson. Oh my god. I, I just love that's one of the most amusing things about his uh, you know, his success is that now they go back through all of his old weird shit and they're just like, from the director of Lord of the Rings. Here's yeah. this thing of sh- here's this yeah. <laughs> here's here's Brain Dead, uh, which uh, was which was um his third movie, similar, which was after Bad Taste. Yes, Bad Taste. And Meet the Feebles. Oh my god. Um, Bad which, Taste is amazing. <laughs> right. So, uh, the director of Madness Sound of Fate was a fertilizer salesman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, the judge right themselves. Yes, the irony just jumps out and smacks you in the face. And so the guy playing Torgo, it was supposed to be a satyr. Um, but they couldn't figure out how to make it look so how, how to make it look right, so he just had big knees. <laughs> right. Because he had like a prosthet like he had like a prosthesis that he was that he was wearing, just part of why he walked so badly, because he couldn't really walk in it. Um, yeah, I was just like what? Yeah. I mean 
But these are things that, and that's what makes, you know, something so bad it's good. I mean, yeah, they were running around with handmade props and stuff like that. Now they're one of the top, I mean, one of the top shows ever. Top rated shows ever. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so another <laughs> The Martian. Multi-million dollar movie. Uh-huh. In the a book, too. You know what it originally was? This guy writing this science fiction stuff, hard science, on his website. Yep. I mean... Well, I mean, I'm not a fan, but the Twilight franchise is another good example of this. <laughs> actually, no, actually, Fifty Shades... Is Twilight uh, actually Twilight actually was a pretty much original IP. Fifty Shades was original in Twilight fanfic. Well, yeah, I guess yeah. Fifty, Sh- Fifty Shades is the better example, yeah, because that was just a silly Twilight fanfic with, as you say, yeah, man, the serial number. The ISBN file off. Yeah. Well, literally, because like original that it did originate as that was its Twilight. It's horrifying origin story. Yeah, no, it was. Twilight actually isn't like I I Twilight's rather. I was forced to to sort of I I I was kind of challenged to to reexamine Twilight at one point. And you know, the movies or the books? Yes. Both? Yeah. Oh, you poor man. And now here's the thing. They're not bad. They're not great. Right. But they're not bad. They didn't really deserve or merit nearly the amounts of vitriol that they got or the amount of praise praise and adulation. Yeah. I would agree with the latter half of that statement. The... The former half of that statement is the idea that someone that every girl wants her boyfriend to be like Edward. That that's I you know when you think in terms of hey I want my boyfriend to basically take the engine out of my car if he doesn't want me to go see somebody no uh, so you know well I mean just because something is popular doesn't mean they're internalizing it Ben right yeah. no but it's, but it's no, like, like the idea from, that they glorify that but but yeah. at the same time like it really it, it's it it. It was it mediocre would, writing. It, it was hit. it was entirely mediocre mm-hmm. and didn't really deserve nearly so much of the praise or the hate that it got. A lot of the hate that it got was simply because it's like if you look at it, it's really easy and popular to hate on things that are marketed towards uh, oh, towards sure. adolescent women. Well, yeah. I mean, well, and the thing is, the thing that I have to look at, you know, as a as a writer. Mm-hmm. Is I may think the writing's mediocre, but you know what? The marketing was dead on. <laughs> she knew her marketing. She wrote to them. Oh yeah, that was a fucking lovely. Just because you don't like a thing doesn't mean there's not lessons to be learned. Exactly. Yeah. And I will say this: I actually watched the first movie to see what all the hubbub was about, mm-hmm. and I thought it was all right. Like it was worth watching. But then when I saw the trailer for the sequel, I'm like, holy shit, this looks so bad. I'm done. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and I, then I saw the reviews. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm definitely done. I'm not gonna, not gonna waste my time but, watching total crap. Right, but to get from there, you know, um, the the author of um, of Fifty Shades started off as Twilight BDSM fan fiction, and right. and, Twi- and Fifty Shades does deserve every single bit of hate that it's ever gotten. I would agree. Uh, <laughs> it's bad writing. Yeah. It's bad writing. Bad I have all. read better porn. Well, that's what's interesting is that, uh, what was the, um, I think it was, well, what's now known as fandom, it was like, it was uh, Screen Junkies at the time. Uh-huh. Um, but they they did this thing about, they, they did a list of like, 
uh, like sexy movies, erotic movies, or whatever. And then like they did a counter list of like the the least appealing ones, and that was on the list of the least appealing. They're like, it has this weird middle ground where it's like, it's done really poorly, and it's actually not like interesting at all. Mm-hmm. There's nothing sexy about it. It's just awkward and silly and dumb. Right. So it's like it's the worst of both worlds. It's like it's just bad on a on a on a generic level and then it's yeah. also not even exciting on some sort of like titillating level either. It's like bad at both things. Mm-hmm. But and <laughs> friends of mine in the in the BDSM community also complain that it's a really horrible misrepresentation. It really is. Right. Um, but here's the other thing too that again uh, Adam's family, if you're looking for a good example, Adam's family. family yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah Bang that drum real quick, going. <laughs> no, yeah. They're like they're they're I just bang about that drum too. Yeah, I would bang Morticia's drum too. So, anyways, um, but anyways, um, which now when I think of it in BDSM terms, I'm going okay. Anyways, but again, though, Fifty Shades of of Grey, uh, the Fifty Shades series, again, excellent at. Finding its market audience mm-hmm. and appealing to them, appealing to it, 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 it dubbed a whole term that is mommy porn. Yeah, exactly. Uh, especially porn for moms, especially with e-readers, you know. And I know an author who has made a living off of erotica. I know several authors who have made their livings off of. Both erotica and romance. It's a genre like anything else. Exactly, and mm-hmm. people want it. That's there's an audience for it. You have to appeal to them, and and Fifty Shades, you know, uh, basically. I mean, Chuck Tingle. Uh, <laughs> it's just the next. Uh, it's the next generation yeah. of the of the like Harlequin paperback shit that was like mm-hmm. on the rage back in the day. Yeah. Like exactly, yeah. And Chuck Tingle. Thing with Chuck Tingle is he's parodying his own himself. Yes, he himself is a parody, or she. I don't know. They themselves are yeah. a parody. Yeah, We're way off the reservation. Yeah, but this goes back, back to <laughs> this goes back to these are things that people enjoy doing. Fifty mm-hmm. Shades, Chuck Tingle. Having fun every step of the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, then you get into some of these, you know, The Martian. Guy was just doing what he loved, writing what he mm-hmm. loved, you know, and not looking to do the thing. Yep. Um, I mean, hell, I got started writing a fun zombie book. Mm-hmm. You know, decided to self-publish it, and yeah. suddenly I'm going, oh, hey, I can quit my damn job. You know, um, a couple, you know, a few books later. I mean, it just... I think yeah. If I'm gonna stand on the soapbox, you know, it's yeah. Aim for what you love. Have fun. What you're doing. It's it's one thing. You know, yeah. I want to make money at what I do, but you have to have that passion for what you do. You have to enjoy what you do. Yeah. Um. But it's okay. Also, yeah, that's another soapbox. But I think that's the thing is that where it comes from is people love it. I mean, Star mm-hmm. Trek came back from what the fans. Yep. And MST to bring it back around to, to bring it back around, it, the they kept circulating tapes for a long time until until they finally came to a contract with Shout Factory to be able to uh, release DVDs yeah. again, mm-hmm. which required the acquire the the reacquisition of of uh, of. Uh, production licenses, mm-hmm. which was no mean feat. There's a reason those DVDs are. Almost prohibitively expensive, unfortunately. Um, right. And then the fans circulated the tapes enough to 
kickstart a new season of it on Netflix. Right. And that was successful enough to get a second season on Netflix, but unfortunately not successful to get a third. Right. But Netflix also has weird, like... Yeah. Has weird... Uh, well, and, you know, and the, the, I guess the same thing comes up with Sharknado. Let's make it, let me make a bad movie. Yeah. You know, um, but also, when it comes to the thing, we all, one of the things we all love, you know, M, uh, MST3K. That's what we're talking about. Uh, Kirk Rule. That is powered 100% by fandom. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this comes back to the power behind... It's made by fans for fans, too. Exactly. Is the power behind sci-fi and pop culture anymore is in the fans. Mm-hmm. And um, that's another thing where, like, <clears throat> Critical Role is another one of those things where it's like, it became so successful, you can't really call it a cult thing anymore. <laughs> no, <laughs> so you it's, can't. It's, no. Gotten a, it's gotten to a point where, well, and especially whenever that, uh, <clears throat> whenever the animated series comes out, then it'll, I mean, it'll be ridiculous the amount of exposure it'll have at that point when you've got it, you know, as a major, like, show release on Amazon Prime, you know. So, and here's what I'm expecting. At some point, someone's going to go, hey, what if we made a live-action movie based on something Matt Mercer ran? It's, I don't know, I mean, it's going to take a while for it to be done right. I'm sure it'll happen at some point. And you have... Uh, I agree. Joe Manganello, a.k.a. Mango Jello, as I like to call him, um, <laughs> out there kind of... Um, shopping around for the right group to do a D&D movie <clears throat> and um, specifically he's a big fan of the um, the Dragonlance setting for it and that's probably what it's going to be mm. and there's been such a rich history of quality books and stuff for that yeah, and the, nice. his big point was don't just do it to do the thing to have the brand up there make a really good like fantasy movie with a really good story and da 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 da, da of any good movie that happens to be D&D right so I like I have faith that in the long term it will happen it's just going to take a while before right. it happens yeah but uh, yeah better late than never I guess right but yeah MST3K you know takes its roots all the way back to I think the I hesitate. Well, I guess it could, you could be saying it's the renaissance of the of fandom, um, or the pioneer era of fandom, which is the the eighties and nineties. Mm-hmm. Because that was when technology was getting to the point. And where I honestly, I'd say we're probably right now we're probably in the main fandom renaissance. I could agree with that. Um, or we're almost in the in the um, almost in the industrial revolution. <laughs> you know well the thing about it is um, you don't really know like how much time is required to really like look back and like accurately identify mm-hmm. these little stages of history right, right. Yeah. because we're talking about like when you're talking about something that's that relatively new it's hard to say like a good example I like to use is video games right mm-hmm. like you know you can talk about video game history and culture and all that stuff but they've only been around a relatively short period of time when you compare mm-hmm. it to you know like Radio, or on the upside, that means that their history is more is much more uh, easily observable. Right. Yeah, and and well, not only that, but um, you actually have like people um, taking it seriously. Where you actually have like a video game like history. Like I forgot all the official names, but there are people that are actually like um, cataloging and archiving like games and code and like some of this stuff, which is really important actually, because that's something that no, that very few people did in the early days, especially like old DOS games and, and Mm -hmm. such. And a lot of those are being lost because 
it's hard to to put together hardware that things can be run on. Well, like, it's different than just like say books where it's like okay, it's a straightforward proposition. You have these books and then you digitize them and then that's it. Yeah, like right. there's now, all this changing stuff with it's codes really and platforms hard to and get something that can run say Mule. Right. Yeah. Which, by the way, was why the Mule in Firefly was called Mule. Right. It was based off of an old DOS game called Mule. Yeah. <laughs> um, Deep cut. Yep. <laughs> well, and and you know, again, it comes back down to like what we're doing. We're fans, riffing on fandom, mm-hmm. you know, giving our giving our thing, um, you know, and sending it out there for people. We we don't have that following yet, but you know, who knows? I mean, one day, four hundred RSS subscribers. Hey, there you go. Um, you know, eighty people like us on Facebook. <laughs> there you go. So it's, all of them are on my friends list. <laughs> That's not true. Actually, two people on the, uh, who like our Facebook page are not on my friends list. Right. They're on yours. <laughs> uh. <laughs> They're probably on my on mutual friends list too. But you know, it's just one of those things of um, this is this is where where fandom and culture begins is with the fans. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so I, don't, I don't have anything too terribly profound to say. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's probably a pretty good place to stop it, honestly. Pretty good final um, thought? Yeah. <laughs> uh, in two weeks, we will be talking about a video game that these two have not yet played that I have. For those of you who um, can't see, he pointed at me and Mike. <clears throat> The other two, the other two people, the other two people in this podcast. It's a safe bet, right? But still, it's no, radio. I'm t- instead, I'm t- I, no, I'm actually pointing at the two people in the room that haven't been, that haven't said a word in the last hour and a half. They're gonna oh. play it for us and give us their impressions, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, we actually have a few, a uh, few episodes kind of planned for upcoming, but. Uh, Gonna leave things a little vague for now, but we actually have a plan going forward for the next for the next couple three episodes. So right, um, things and stuff. Things and stuff, indeed. Um, this has been myself, Neil, the one true Ben, and Mike, and we will talk to you in two weeks on Geek Fanthology. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter E in the number 97. Opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm, and ending theme is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast or know someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media, sending us an email, leaving us a comment, rating us on iTunes, liking and subscribing on YouTube, pretty much any of those things that really helps the algorithm. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us either by making a one-time donation on our website through PayPal or a reoccurring one through Patreon at patreon.com workingtheory. A final thought. Keep circulating the links. And hit the button, Frank. <laughs>